Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. This episode's interview with J.P. Cohen, founder of Memory Lane. We've been around for 21 years, good reputation. Enjoyed getting to know him, and thanks, J.P., for your insights as well. This is the interview portion of it, and thanks, everybody. Here it is. You go back, and I'm sure you could relate. There's, there was probably that I've gone to people's houses, and they go, "Hey, come into my garage," and they got stacks of boxes of '80s and '90s and junk wax and this and that. And I used to tell them, "Just throw that stuff away or donate it, give it to a kid." And boy, I think there's probably a dozen people that like to wring my neck today. But who would ever know that stuff would get some legs? The, the conventional wisdom at the time, it's. It still is overproduced, but with the advent and the coming on strong of grading, if it's unopened and you can crack it and some of those things, even when they're mass produced, they're conditioned. Yeah, no. And well, and that's manufacturers doing where they've created a, a limited edition or a numbered item within the product. And obviously, just like vintage items that are rare in that grade, get a huge demand among something that is more plentiful in a lower grade. Okay. Same concept, but it's being manufactured by the company that puts out the product. Pretty smart. I think it's really what's driving that market with these multi-million dollar modern day player cards that are selling. But I also think that people with the pandemic are at home looking to fulfill some enjoyment or some type of pastime of their childhood. And, and they find themselves buying cards and spending money. And a lot of publicity we've gotten over the last year or two has brought new people into this arena. So it's all great. It's actually amazing. And our company has done three or four auctions this year and record after record and very proud of what we've accomplished. And also very excited for the industry, especially for clients that I've known for a long time that are at a point where they're cashing out on stuff that they bought many years ago. So it's good times. I'm very happy that I'm in this business for sure. Nostalgia is depending on your age. If you're only 30 something, your nostalgia is for something when you were a kid. And that could be LeBron James rookies. And for the newer cards, you're really talking about players that are still in many cases, still out there on the court, on the field, on the ice. That's promotion right there. Whereas the older players that are retired, they can't do anything wrong, but they're not in the public eye as much. But for baby boomers, it's still Mickey Mantle. But for the young guys, it's Mike Trout or somebody else. Even outside of the card world, there's a collecting space that pertain to video games now, where people are collecting unopened Nintendos from the 80s. And that seems to be a big market. So you're right. The younger generation, uh, the 2030s somethings can relate to other things that were, were of interest to them growing up. And, and maybe it is cards, but maybe it's more of the LeBrons, like you said, the Trouts and Brady's and, and those type of things. It's interesting that there's other collectibles that are, are starting to get attention. These NFTs, video games, uh, comic books have always been collectible, but they've really gone to a whole nother level this last 10 years or so. So the whole landscaping is changing, Jim. It's broad. What you have is so many more alternatives. And it's not about a price guide as much as it's about the relative value of something to them. They're thinking, if this costs this much, then I like this thing almost as much, and it's way cheaper. Yeah. So I'm going to sell something that I perceive as overvalued, and I'm going to collect something that I think is undervalued. They're moving categories, the genres, sports, non-sports, everything. So I, I appreciate the dynamic element 
but I, I suspect that you and I are cut out of a vintage cloth. That's just where I wind up. Yeah, and I find the demographic of that cloth is is somebody that is more into the collecting of it, whereas I find that the called the younger generation or some of these new areas of collecting, those type of collectors are attracted to the items, attracted to what it is. And I don't know if it's a balance, but there is a big drive in their mindset of value. What's it worth? Can I get this? I find there's a lot of that instant gratification of selling it and getting money or making money on whatever they purchase. I see a lot of the young collectors doing a lot of that where they don't hold on to things where I have collectors that I can offer them a zillion dollars for something that's not worth anything close to it. And they won't sell it for anything because they're truly passionate about owning the item and, and collecting it. That's one of the ways to flush out whether somebody's a collector or an investor, because if you ask them, a lot of people say, oh, both I collect, but I also invest. But if they're not willing to sell something, they're probably more of a collector. And if you ask them how many complete sets they have, and the answer is zero, (laughs) then they're also more likely to be an investor. And that's what I have concern about is that I'm a long tail guy. I just think there ought to be a home for every card. You still have some people collecting sets from the 50s. In fact, there's a bunch of people that have or desire to do that, carrying around a want list. But the newer generation, I think they're opening a pack and uh, they're only looking for the big hit. Yeah. And they're not gambling. It's the older person, a collector person is how many cards do you have? And for the newer person, it's how few cards do you have? (laughs) They don't want to have a large collection. The good they did pulling a card from a pack. Oh, the card. Yeah. And an NFT is the ultimate non-card in that it's like a card, it's a collectible, but it takes up no space. So having a large collection, probably you're excited when you get a call from you know, a form client perhaps, but somebody said, hey, it's time to cash out. You're pretty relational and I, I get that, but are you full service when somebody calls you and says, hey, I want to sell my stuff or a bunch of my stuff? Are you very hands-on and walking them through how to parse it and how to stage it? and how to present it, and whether to get it graded. How full service are you? Because it seems like you probably are toward the end of the spectrum of pretty full service. Yeah, we try to accommodate from A to Z. Uh, every big collection we get, unfortunately, not everything is auction worthy or not everything has a large value where you can justify. We don't cherry pick people's collections. We help them re- achieve their goal of selling and whatever that may be. And in many cases, it's everything. They want to sell everything from A to Z and there's stuff in there that's 50 cents a card and some stuff's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars a card. So I try to do a good job in accommodating their wishes and selling their collection from A to Z, meaning that if it's a dollar card or if it's a hundred thousand dollar card. So a lot of stuff we put to auction, if it doesn't fit the auction format because it just doesn't have enough value that we'll offer an eBay service or a private sale. We do a lot of private sale. In fact, Our business model, even though we're very proud of our auctions, is 80% private, where we built relationships with people for 20 years, and we know what people like and what they're looking for. Someone might be building a DeLong set, or they'll be building a 52 set, and if this person has some cards that person needs, we'll fulfill that need. Now, given that, of course, it's always nice when you can sell something big and get a nice commission, but... We, we're real collectors. The majority of people who work at Memory Lane are, are true collectors. They either collect or they have collected or they understand. So a lot of what we do um, is fulfill needs. We enjoy the fact of calling up someone that's been looking for that 
last card in our 63 top set and selling them to, for 10 bucks. Did we make any money? No, but we enjoy what we do. We really love uh, the business and we've been fortunate to be part of it for 20 years and, and watch the growth. And I would have never predicted where we're at today, but very grateful for it. But we still enjoy the art of the chase, finding things, and of course, accommodating whatever the collector's needs is. Some people don't want to sell everything. Sometimes they just want to sell a little bit. We'll give them advice if it was our own stuff. How would I maximize your return on selling your collection? And a lot of people don't want to sell until they pass away. Help them with a game plan that when that day comes, if we're still in business, that we can help them with that too. We're in a lot of wills over the years, built a lot of relationships. Basically, we'll accommodate whatever some collector's needs are. So we're very- Well, I mean, you're known for the vintage, really good stuff and everything. And I do know you don't look down on fixed price and private sales because it's great to get a card in the hands of somebody that either outbid everybody else or that's been looking for it. And I I think that's the main part of your business, but it seems the widow that wants to sell it all, there's still going to be some leftovers. And how do you group them? Or do you just have somebody that says, I'll take anything? Or or if it's organized, do you parse that out into larger groups by player or by here are the rest of the cards in the set? How do you parse that out? And do you have a network? Mr. Mint, people thought, oh, he bought everything and did all this stuff. His secret was not just buying. He had his lieutenants under him that when he got publications, he knew where to go. When he got non-sport, he knew where to go. And so he had a system. But do you have a system? Because the widow really wants you to come take it all and, and optimize the collection. So we do. And we've done that, unfortunately, a couple of times this year. Some collectors have passed away and we've gone out to the house and, and we understand that the widow or the family needs some direction and they need a partner with someone that knows what they're doing and, and they don't want to more than likely uh, keep anything. So for the most part, we come up with a plan. A lot of the stuff is, is not a moneymaker for us, but we, we do it because we had a relationship with the client and, and we tried to fulfill the A to Z mentality of getting rid of the collection. And I'm not talking about just getting rid of it and dumping it. I'm talking about coming up with a plan to, to maximize. If that means grouping partial sets, doing a small groups on eBay, if it doesn't fit in our auction, we'll offer that service through our company. Uh, sometimes we'll find a dealer out there that maybe is uh, the type of dealer that does a lot of want lists or raw card sales, and we'll do a bulk sale to that person, wholesale it out. But in general, we try to figure out what's the best way to maximize the return, whatever it may be. And then we'll sell it either through our auction, privately, eBay, a one-stop shop. We have an answer for everything. And yeah, there's going to be stuff that has pretty much no value. And that's the stuff that we'll recommend they maybe donate to the Boys and Girls Club or a church or some type of a charity. So to answer your question, we have a plan for everything. And we give advice to people all the time. A lot of times, some stuff just won't fit into our auction or our private sale platform. And I'll recommend to them, do you have someone that can put it on eBay for you? And if they do... That's usually what I'll tell them they should probably do with the stuff because that's a good place to get the most money for what you have. Sometimes they don't and we'll try to assist them. And we have a full staff here at Memory Lane. And we have people that just do eBay. So it, you know, we'll definitely uh, help people with that. It's not really our business model. Our business model is our catalog auctions, which we're very proud of, and also private sales. But we will accommodate the collector or a customer to fulfill their goals of getting rid of whatever they have and getting the most they can for it. Individual cards, if it's a... F- $5 card or a $5,000 card, you know what to do. But if you've got the leftover cards, if the leftover lot is a thousand bucks and up or 
a hundred bucks or if it's 10 bucks, you give it away. If it's a box of cards worth 10 bucks, you give it away. If it's a hundred bucks, do you put it on eBay? A thousand bucks, do you put it in your auction? Do you have hard and fast rules or it just depends on what you think the demand will be? So we try to shoot for a group of cards that could bring over 50 bucks when we put it on eBay. It's not always about making money for us. It's part of the big picture. We're more customer driven to making sure their goals are met. And, and we'll make money on the big picture. We want to make money, but we also want to accomplish reaching our collectors or families' goals. As far as our auctions are concerned, for the catalog, we try to at least get it somewhere in that five to $700 range as far as minimum value. Otherwise, it's not worth it to right. do it that way. And we're better off just breaking it up and putting it through like an eBay format. When we do individual cards in our auction, they're usually all graded. The only time we have raw cards in our auction is when they're in partial sets or complete sets.